DJ and PK, it's 97.5 and 1280 The Zone. We are joined now in the T-Mobile special guest line by Ryan Abraham, uscfootball.com. T-Mobile and Sprint are coming together to build the best wireless company around. Visit T-Mobile.com for online services and local store availability. All right, so <clears throat> Ryan Abraham, my guy. How are you? I'm good. We're back. We are back. back. This is great. But I'm wondering, and I'm really wondering about your fan base, because, you know, there's a lot of of stereotypes and none of them are true, right? Because none of them are completely true, because there's a gazillion people in the USC fan base, so no matter what you think, you can find somebody who agrees with you. It's a massive fan base. But, in general... Are USC fans who live in California are therefore very liberal and want everything shut down until Trump is not elected because the virus is his fault? Are they horrified the football is coming back and they find it dangerous? Or USC, the University of Spoiled Children, has a borderline SEC mentality and wanted to play 12 games all along. They're angry. They're storming the Bastille and coming after Larry Scott with pitchforks because they're furious over a seven-game schedule. Where does the USC fan base fall more in this? I think it's all along the, that those lines. There's no, fans, really, it's fans everything's that are like, true. Everything's on the table. You know, there's fans that are like, I can't believe they're having football. This is just a money grab to how did they wait so long? They should be playing with the Pac-12. There's nowhere you're going to make the playoff. It's just a pretty wide range of emotions, just sort of like in any you know subject about the virus in this country. So I think it kind of goes along those lines. But you also have the Clay Helton faction that <laughs> some of them are just upset that Clay Helton's the head coach. Some of them are upset that it's only seven games. They don't get to play Alabama and Notre Dame, so he won't have these guaranteed losses and uh, you know contribute to his you know, ultimate demise and getting rid of him. So there's there's a wide range of emotions. But I think in general, you know, fans are excited that you're going to get some football at least. They they want to see Keaton Slovis. They want to see uh, Talano Funga. They want to see those guys back out there again. And just watching some of those early games, especially when the SEC starts up this weekend. You get that you know, fear of missing out, the FOMO thing going on. and I, So I think, in general, most of the fans are kind of happy, but they all have like their side agendas of why they don't like how it happened and things like that. So realizing this is a complicated question, uh, Ryan, but how do you personally feel about how uh, the Pac-12 has handled this uh, throughout it all? You know, at, initially, I think, when you look at what the Big Ten and the Pac-12 did, um, I, it made sense to me. I think, you know, we get a lot of criticism, criticism for Larry Scott, but the Pac-12 had the, uh, a, a great message. I thought they communicated it well, much better than the Big Ten. And because of the footprint, it made sense. I think it made sense with the virus, you know, just medically, everything made sense. The problem I have was, you know, from the reporting that I've read, you know, Larry Scott knew about this rapid testing earlier than September 3rd when it was announced, didn't, uh, you know, disseminate that information to the schools. And at that point, you have to start seeing the tide turning. And there were opportunities to talk to the government in Oregon, the government in California that, hey, we have rapid testing. You let the Rams and the Chargers and the 49ers practice because they're tested every day. We're going to be able to be tested every day. You need to lift some of these restrictions, especially on the cohorts where they only allow six to 12 people practicing at a time. And I feel like there was lost time, three, four weeks of an opportunity to go ahead and kind of push this forward where you could have had, if you're going to restart, you could have had more than a seven-game season that's shoehorned into seven weeks. So I feel like leading up to, you know, when the rapid testing was going to be available, they made the right choices. And I thought they communicated it well. And even yesterday, they communicated it well. But they were scrambling. And really, it was because they had their dance partner with the Big Ten, felt comfortable with that, felt comfortable delaying things. 
And once you start seeing your dance partner start to stray off, I think you had to kind of figure out a way to, to meet up again. And they just weren't doing that. And then you kind of got caught with the pants down and you got to put this all together and didn't have a vote last week with the president. So I, I like the way it was handled early, but the last month or so, I think they could have handled it much, be- much better. You could have had a longer season. If you're going to restart and you want to do it, you know, and safely, but you want to do it to give yourself the best chance to compete in the postseason. And right now, the Pac-12 with only seven games and not the greatest reputation. It's it's good to have football back, but it's not going to be to the levels it could have been if you acted a little bit earlier, in my opinion. It was just one report on the web, but I expect you probably saw it. A lot of people did. Uh, 24-7 Sports, the Bruin page, had a report that the original vote was 7-5 to five, and that USC was talking about going independent and Utah was talking about going to the Big 12. That sounds like a really ugly, divisive conversation to me. Do you think it actually got that bad? Is this reporting way off? Is it completely off? Is it partially off? These are things that people said inside meetings but never actually said to the whole group. What, what do you make of that report? Yeah, that was an interesting one. Uh, you know, Talking to sources at USC, it didn't seem like that was going to be uh, the case at all. I and mean, we had Mike Bone on our podcast, oh, man, it was uh, months ago. And he said that all things were going to be on the table. But with the pandemic, I just haven't talked to anyone at USC that felt like going independent right now is the is the best option. I feel like they were working behind the scenes. Uh, Mike Bone yesterday talked about the letter that the USC players sent to the governor and how that's sort of been a catalyst to get things rolling. And he was very proud of that and the way they handled themselves. But I, I feel like the administration was working behind the scenes. I haven't heard anything about uh, going independent. I could see an initial vote be like that. Maybe it was more, less of a vote and more of a, you know, we're leaning this way. Obviously, there's issues at Stanford. You know, issues have popped up at Colorado recently, but that was, uh, you know, last minute sort of thing with the, the county of Boulder. But with the California schools and the Oregon schools not being able to practice, there might be some reluctance there. But, you know, you know a lot of the schools like Utah was ready to go and, and USC wanted to play. I don't know if it was that. Uh, you know, like clear cut where it was a seven to five vote. But I think there had to be some convincing going on. And I think what won out was the unity being everyone ever, everyone being able to start on the same day. And uh, that worked that way. But I, I think USC could look at that at some point, but I didn't hear anything about recently about threatening to go independent and so they could play some football. Speaking of Mike Bone, that athletic department has been hmm, chaotic. Over uh, over the past little while, and he steps in. He, it was kind of a different hire for USC, going uh, not necessarily with a, a big name internally. How has he done so far, even in this unique circumstance? Yeah, I mean, it's been chaotic for the last decade, but mostly because they've hired former football players that right. didn't know what they were doing. Right. So I think just hiring someone that's been an athletic director before, it's changed everything. You, you brought someone from outside who knows how things were done. And that's been part of the problem at USC is just for years and for decades, really, they have had their own way and they haven't brought in people from the outside to kind of change that. Um, they just wanted to, they've hired people that were learning how the USC way was as opposed to bringing someone in that knew, know, knows how the outside world works. Mike Bone knows how the outside world works. We'll see how good he's going to be, but I've liked a lot of the moves uh, that he's been able to make. And I think they've, They've righted the ship in a lot of ways, but his hands are tied. And, you know, with the, the fans are upset with him because he didn't fire Clay Helton. But you find out that Helton was, you know, signed to this terrible contract extension by Lynn Swan, uh, you know, months before the, the team goes five and seven. Everyone wants him fired. So there's there's been some problems, I think, that 
they, they've hit a lot of singles, maybe some doubles, uh, maybe not this home run uh, yet, but I think they've done a lot of good things, made a lot of good decisions that were, you know, kind of ba- basic decisions that those kind of decisions weren't being made in the athletic department before. So I think it'll take some time, but we've already seen a lot of progress. Uh, you know, he's been there less than a year. Um, and is it so much better than having like a Pat Hayden or Lynn Swan that really didn't know what they were doing? Joined now by Ryan Abraham, USCfootball.com, the podcast of champions. So the only mystery to the schedule with five division games and one crossover is who the crossover is. Uh, I assume UCLA and Cal want to keep that rivalry going, and USC and Stanford, the California schools, love to play each other. It's, it's built into the way they've done scheduling for the last decade. Do you think those two games are going to happen for sure? And if so, does that mean Utah-Oregon? Yeah, I, I don't know anything for sure. I would hate to see Utah and Oregon play. And the, the problem is I think you want, to, you want to try to game the system as much as you can like the SEC did when they added the crossover games. You know, Alabama didn't get Florida from the East, you know, and, and Georgia didn't pick up uh, LSU or anything. So I think you want to avoid the division winners from last year having to play each other. I mean, if you want to try to make the playoffs somehow, you would like teams to be undefeated. So I'd rather Oregon play like in Arizona or something. Um, so I'm not sure if they're going to do it like maybe reverse seeding from last year. The, the top, you know, Oregon, the top team would play the number six team from the South from previous year. I think that would make a lot of sense, uh, you know, because now we know that crossover game will count towards winning your division. So I think you want to help the better teams, you know, the Utahs or the USC's or whatever, and not have them have, go off to play in Oregon or something like that. So we'll see. Um, I don't. I, I think they kind of know the direction they want to go, but they weren't going to uh, announce anything. They weren't going to even hint at what those crossover games would be. But the fact that they're going to count. I think they have to take that into consideration. I'd rather not see – it's a great game. Utah and Oregon would be a great game. But I'd rather Utah get to play someone like Oregon State because they won the you know division last year. So that's just kind of my opinion. They might go for the thing where let's make the best matchups possible. But the good thing is at the end of the season when you're going to talk about the championship weekend, you will be able to play someone similar from the other division. So I think they're going to set it up where like the, you know, the championship games, the top teams from each division, but – Maybe the number two plays the number two, three, number three, things like that. So knowing that, I think the early crossover game would be better to sort of like take the bottom from one and top from the other and let them play each other. But it's a Pac-12, so, you know, anything, <laughs> who knows what they're going to do. How good is Keaton Slovis going to be? He's been so good uh, that freshman year. Just We haven't seen anything like that. And a lot of it's the system, just having a really competent offensive system that's quarterback-friendly, I think JT Daniels would have looked that good as well. But for a true freshman to come in that was a three-star guy, that never really happens at USC. They're always the four- and five-star guys at quarterback. It was a, you know, a breath of fresh air just to see this kid that we thought, oh, he should be fourth on the depth chart. Graham Harrell names him the, the backup quarterback, and we're kind of scratching our heads. And then you get to see him throw for over 400 yards four times. And you know, in the final game against UCLA, as four different receivers go for 100 yards, like, it's pretty amazing what he's been able to do. And he's made some mistakes, of course, and he's a true freshman, but I think there's a lot of expectations for him uh, going into the sophomore campaign. He's got great receivers. The offensive line is going to be a little bit of a, a patchwork thing, especially with Elijah Vera Tucker opting out. We don't know if he'll come back, but man, it's just they got running backs, they got wide receivers, they got some tight ends, and they really got a good gunslinger in Keaton Slovis. 
With colleges facing uh, pay cuts and uh, bonuses not getting paid out and furloughs and layoffs, some mix of that, it's different at every school, but pretty much everybody's got some combination of those things going on. Do you think coaches will get more job security now? Coaches won't be fired for whatever happens in a 6, 8, or 10-game season. And do you think that's true for coaches in general and Clay Helton specifically? Yeah, I think, uh, you know, we thought that was going to be the case, but I think, what was it, Southern Miss? I forget who it was. Like, yeah, we had one already, first. right? Yeah. <laughs> there was one already. So I think it's like unique circumstances. But for, I, I think in general, uh, you know, is Kevin Sublin going to be fired if he has a bad season, a seven-game season? I mean, I don't, I mean, with the, there's buyouts, there's a, a lot of financial stress on athletic departments. I mean, you really have to be almost an expiring kind of contract because, there's a lot of expenses that go into buying out a coach besides the buyout and the assistance and then hiring someone new. Uh, I think for USC specifically, it sort of ties the athletic department's hands that even if their seven game schedule, USC goes three and four and, and fans are, you know, pitchforks going to Heritage Hall. They're saying, Hey, we need to make a change. I don't know if they're financially going to be able to do that. I feel like after 2021, it would be, you know, a normal, more of a normal season there would be an opportunity to make a change for USC specifically. I don't see anything happening on that front. The fans aren't going to like to hear that, but almost no matter what happens in 2020, especially because it's a weird season. But yeah, the, the all we've heard is just these athletic department budgets are going to be slashed. Uh, you know, they've furloughed so many people at the PAC 12 and we've seen it at different athletic departments, you know, Utah as well. Um, so I, I think it sort of ties some of these athletic directors hands, unless it's a really special circumstance. Uh, you really have to know what you're doing. You can't just fire someone on a whim. Uh, it's going to have to be, you, you know exactly what you're doing and you're, you have the money to be able to do it because the, the funds are going to be hard to come by. Well, Ryan, we appreciate a few minutes. I shouldn't circle USC Stanford then? You don't think that happens? I mean, I, I, think, it's, I think it's a likely one, and I think they would like to keep um, you know, some continuity with what the schedule was before. Mm-hmm. And it's not going to be perfect, but the USC Stanford one does make a lot of sense. I think like a USC Oregon wouldn't make as much sense, right, but right, who yeah. knows? You know, like you want the two favorites in each division to play each other. I think that's probably a bad idea, but it's the Pac-12. They might think that's the great idea. <laughs> yeah, they'll probably that. I would think they would. That's the one game I think they'll try to engineer for the conference title game. It's the two biggest brand names, and they were both supposed to be pretty good, if not really good. So I, that one would surprise me. That's why I thought they default to Utah Oregon. They're like, ah, Utah's rebuilding anyway. Make the make yeah, the opener, it, slap I, it on TV. It's promotable. ESPN and Fox are going to like it. Yeah, I mean that could make sense, but I would just as a Utah fan, I would be like, hey, we want oh, to yeah, play yeah. Why do, why do we got to play the champs? <laughs> yeah, right. Year? It doesn't make much sense. Hey, <laughs> as uh, Hemi Hemi Washington State, they had players opt out. They got a new coach. <laughs> Any and that's the thing. I think what's what we got to look at. Anything any program that has coaching turnover, if it's Colorado or even like mm-hmm. USC, where you replace your entire defensive staff. You haven't any spring practice. It's going to be a lot harder to implement those systems. So that's going to be one thing we got to watch when you have like a Kyle Whittingham with, you know, most you know, st- even though you lose a lot of players with the staff continuity, that could be a big bonus. Ryan, we appreciate the time. Thanks for checking in again. Oh, anytime. Thanks, guys.